educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hello, friends. Thursday, July 27th. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan, who was on vacation, as you know, uh, in Ireland right now. And um, we're going to hear from him tomorrow. He's going to join us with uh, Chef Kevin. We don't know what we're going to talk about yet, um, but they're going to kind of give us a rundown of um, their activities. I'm sure we'll talk about food and drink and all that great stuff as well and just hear about all the fun that they're having, and then he's going to fly back, we're hoping, on Sunday, right, Johnny? <laughs> Sunday, and then be here on Monday. That's the plan right now. I'm I'm a little bit on hold, uh, just in case he has some flight delays or anything, but we'll take care yeah, of that. Yeah, don't, don't make any other plans for Monday That's come right. 5 o'clock. <laughs> That's right. That's my executive producer, Johnny Cadillac, taking care of everything behind the scenes. Uh, weather-wise, obviously it's hot, right? Everybody's talking about how nasty it is outside. Uh, my weather on the computer just changed. It's 102. It says uh, feels like 118. That sounds better than my other app. My other app said it was like 104, and it was like 132, which we knew that wasn't wrong. Uh, that was wrong. So 102, uh, we hit the 118 mark. Um, so uh, just be careful. We're still in a heat advisory through uh, tomorrow night. So just be careful of that. We'll keep you up to date here at KLIN. All right. Well, August is a huge month for the city of Lincoln. Uh, it, it's going to directly impact all of our businesses in mm-hmm. town. And I'm going to run through a list. Um, uh, Jason Ball is in the studio with me, CEO and president of the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. And uh, first of all, thanks for coming in. It's your monthly visit, and we appreciate that. I love uh, chatting with you and, and Jeff Mall and just uh, finding out what's happening in the city. But over the last couple of weeks, I've learned all the activities in August. So yeah. I'm going to do a quick rundown of this, all right, because this is amazing. Lancaster County Superfair. August 3rd mm-hmm. to the 12th, right? That's going to bring in thousands of people. Uh, Tunnels to Tower 5K, um, big event, August 19th. Gravel Worlds, which we learned about from Jeff, August 25th and 26th, bringing in several thousand people to the city. Navy Week, August 21st to the 27th. That's a pack full of activities throughout the city with high schools and, and organizations and nonprofits and city and all that kind of stuff. Then we have the Guardians of Freedom Air Show, August 26th and 27th. That's going to bring in an estimated 200 to 300,000 people. Uh, Zach Bryan concert sold out on the 29th. Volleyball day, 91 plus thousand tickets sold. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, too. Yeah. So, Jason, are you prepared? Are you prepared? I, I believe for the Black August? Keys are uh, in there in that August uh, yeah. uh, showing somewhere, too. I mean, it's, it's like I was telling you before. I lose track of everything that we've packed into the last half of August. It's going to be a very busy summer. Don't tell me there's nothing to do in Lincoln. You're <laughs> not right. going to convince me. So how is this impacting the businesses then? How will this provide for them as you move forward? Yeah, I, all of this is just great because we're going to get people that are staying in hotels or people that don't need are local. They don't need a hotel, but they're going to go have an extra dinner. Uh, engage in one of these events, uh, come out to one of, one of the shows. It's just going to ignite more economic activity, uh, both in our city's core and throughout the rest of our city. And it applies to a ton of different businesses. Um, you know, we're, we're the civilian partner for the Guardians of Freedom Air Show that's coming nice. up. And we're very proud to work with our National Guard and our military partners to do that. Um, but we need to rent a lot of chairs and tents 
uh, for that event. We were beginning to get worried we'd have to go all the way to Kansas City for to rent chairs and tents because we couldn't find a provider uh, locally that hadn't already committed them to one of these other events that's going on. Um, that's how much is getting packed into the end of the of the month, and it's not about the number of events. It really is about um, you know what you think of as a vibrant city mm-hmm. and economically active city. This is part of what makes Lincoln a special place to be, and uh, we're just we're kicking a lot into the end of the summer. I would I would guess that this is probably a month coming up mm-hmm. where we're going to have some of the most visitors ever in Lincoln. Would you guess that? I, I think that's I mean, plausible. I, so. I, I don't want to set that kind of an expectation. Uh, and I don't, I'm a data guy, so I don't have the number to wrap around it. But I know uh, just to pick on the volleyball game alone, yeah. the, the, the target they've set for that is trying to break the Guinness World Record of, I think it's something like 92,000. And so we're right on the cusp of that right. just based on tickets sold now. And I know we're going to be coming up with some future things to try to get that, that last little bit of people into the stadium. Um, I don't know what that's going to mean for our total room nights or total visitors. It's going to be a huge month. It yep. already is. Yep. That's going to be good. Well, hey, you're uh, collaborating with a lot of organizations in town. Let's talk about uh, what's happening and how you guys are working together. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to mention it's just been a, we've had a sea change in some key, uh, leadership posts with organizations that we work with. And here I'm thinking about, um, you know, we've got a new chancellor coming into yep. the University of Nebraska, Dr. Rodney Bennett, uh, 21st, I believe, chancellor of the University of Nebraska system. He's up and running here. He's going to be an important part of, of what we do in the community. UNL's chancellor has always engaged in helping the community uh, pursue its broader community goals in addition to leading the flagship institution uh, of the university. Uh, Casey Bellitz is our new director for economic development. Um, former chamber executive out of uh, Columbus, Nebraska. Really? So, yeah, so he knows the chamber game real well. But look, uh, Department of Economic Development is a super important office um, at all times. But right now, in this uh, moment in its history, we're still seeing that office uh, be responsible for $600 million of ARPA funds. And in a normal year, they're a $60 million state agency. Mm. And so they've got, they've got a lot of responsibility right now for some extra critical programs, programs like, uh, intern Nebraska and working with, uh, economic development agencies like us, uh, ex Arbon foundation, uh, many agencies across the whole state to make sure those ARPA funds roll out. So KC has a, a really important role to create in the future of this state. And then we have a new Omaha chamber executive. Uh, and, and so we, and one of the things I want to share is just, we work so much, uh, with the Omaha Chamber, particularly doing, during the session. Um, our, our, our policy leadership and their policy team along with that of the state chamber, uh, we are, we are always, you know, comparing notes on where you're going to be at on this bill or is this something you're testifying for? Sometimes we will, uh, share testimony or they will testify on behalf of us. We'll do same for them. And, and we couldn't be more excited to begin to work with Heath Mello. Uh, people will recognize him as a former state senator and has been working, uh, with the, uh, university since then. And he's going to be taking Taking the reins of a really important organization, and and yes, a growing and successful Omaha community and economy is a great thing for Lincoln. And we have a lot of work to do together. I'm I'm very excited to work. That's with good you. to hear because yeah. you know that's that's it's a good, friendly, healthy um, competition. 
you know, because you do, you, we are separate cities, but at the same time, to be able to work together to bring in yeah. um, needed funding, needed programs, and all that to work together to get those things done is pretty cool to hear about. Well, look, in, in Lincoln has assets and resources that Omaha does not have and cannot provide. Omaha has assets and resources yep. that, that Lincoln uh, could not create on its own. And so I, I would actually say there's much more synergy between the two economies. Uh, and we're actually one large shared economy, mm-hmm. uh, in, in so many ways, um, that, than we have to, to compete about. It's, I think it's very seldom that we're actually in a direct competition trying to get a, um, asset or a business to locate in one city or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the, the economic future is brightest for the whole region when we've got two high performing yeah. economic engines in both cities. That's going to help the entire state. Oh, yeah. Now, speaking of the state, it sounds like you've got an organization or a small group of people, um, going to be visiting Washington, D.C. Yeah. That soon. Yeah. We, so we made our, our, our visit out there and this isn't, this is an annual, program of work that I'm that I'm I'm really focused on on us bringing back um, because prior to the economic downturn of 2008-2009 uh, Lincoln Chamber made a visit out to Washington DC to interact with the delegation talk to them about um, things that were going on concerns that we had or just see, seeking opportunities to co- collaborate with our federal delegation more but um, that kind of went on pause in 2008, 2009, because that was, that was a very deep economic recession. It just didn't feel like the, the year to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and what we started doing is flying the delegation out to us. And that's, that's taken, that's coming up. We'll talk about that in a second. But, um, you know, our team really sat down, uh, when I, when I got in here about a year and a half ago and said, I, I want to start making sure that we return to Washington, D.C. to interact with those, uh, that delegation and those offices on an annual basis. So in addition to you know visiting our senators and, and, and con- congressional representatives, um, you know we're out there talking with the home office of the U.S. Chamber. Uh, the state chamber uh, participated in this, and so we went out to the uh, U.S. Manufacturers Association, which they are a part of because they're the, the state chamber of commerce and mm-hmm. industry. Um, and we even went with, uh, private sector partners, uh, like Olson, uh, was on this trip as well as, uh, representatives from University of Nebraska. And then, uh, they were able to attend a, a dinner that's put on by, uh, State Department of Agriculture out there with the delegation again. And so they're out there talking about a, a, a lot of important, uh, uh, initiatives. Yeah, let's get into this, yeah. get some into some of those. So, so uh, I, I think something that's going to be near and dear to everybody's heart, and it's my favorite thing that came out in our strategic plan: highway funding and infrastructure. Yeah, um, I, I want to get that East Beltway built. Um, that's probably our our biggest, highest price tag, and heaviest lift as an entire community. How are we going to get that last part of the the Lincoln uh, bypass loop? Uh, uh, byway loop, uh, put, put around the community. That's something that we bring up a lot. Uh, farm bill renewal is very much on the delegation's, uh, mind right now. There's some important conversations about what's going to go in the next version of the farm bill. Um, I think as, as we all know, Senator, uh, Congressman rather, Flood is a member of the, the House, uh, Financial Services Committee. Right. And that hit right when the Silicon Valley Bank uh, issue really hits. So there's going to be a bill coming up that's responding to, uh, regulatory concerns that, uh, banks that, that are, were overextended in that situation. Right, that's good. Thankfully, that has not turned into a wider, um, uh, systematic, uh, bank crash issue. It, it seems to be pretty contained right now, but, um, 
you know, I give credit to uh, DC that they're they're trying to to look at what regulatory adjustments do need to be made so we don't have this bank or other types of banks uh, falling into those types of shortfalls in in the future. And then the last thing I'll, I'll mention that um, you know people here are talking about more and more is just how do we as a nation, how does Nebraska as a state um, address our workforce concerns? And part of that, it, not all of it, but part of it is going to be related to immigration and immigration done in a legal, safe way. Uh, but it's as a state we and a nation, um, our birth rates are just not where they need to be to sustain the economic growth that we know we want to see. And so there's there's a lot of considerations to make uh, about that. Part of it's what we're always trying to do at the chamber, try to bring more people into the mm-hmm. state, get people to move here. Um, and as much as I'd love to get a bunch of people from Iowa to move here or Ohio to move here, I don't think we're going to get enough of either of those groups. And as a nation, we have the same problem. Mm-hmm. And so part of our, our solution to maximizing what the economic potential of the state's going to be is is saying how can we take an approach um, to make sure that we're we're bringing in, in workforce into the nation at the the right rate to maximize what our potential is. That's a series of conversations. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a conversation and had in um, County Commissioner um, Christy Yoakum earlier yeah. this week where we were talking about immigration and the importance of that and something that they were really wanting to focus on as a county uh, as well. So that's good. I, I, it's starting to, you know, what uh, the state chamber has taken a, an important leading role in this conversation. We're very glad to have them there because if it's the Lincoln Chamber, say, or, or one of the other uh, local chambers, it's just not going to take. We we need a statewide voice on this. Um, what they're finding is there's a shared understanding statewide right now that this is this is part of um, the workforce pinch that we all feel like we're going through. And I think even in what we would consider uh, farming and tra- traditional economies, uh, um, as much automation investment as they have made, and it is very significant, they still need to pull in people, um, either for uh, seasonal work at certain peak times of the year, or they just need people permanently mm-hmm. to, to help those communities grow. So part of our maximizing our rural future in this state, if you will, and my parents still live in a small town, right. I, want, I want rural Nebraska to, to grow and succeed. That immigration picture is really going to impact those communities too. So yeah. we we have some important conversations ahead. There's no easy answers. We're not showing up with magic beans saying, "Hey, just just do it this way. It's going to fix all our problems." Um, but the time to start the conversation, at least for Nebraska, I really feel is now. And I really give credit to the state chamber for also prioritizing that, but then leading those conversations. Yeah, that's good. It's 523. We're talking with Jason Ball, president and CEO of the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce on 1499.3 KLIN. You mentioned something when you came in, Jason, about the Urban Development Act. And and I thought that was very intriguing. We've got a couple minutes here. Um, let's talk about that because those are funds um, that maybe a lot of smaller businesses don't know about that they could utilize for tax relief. Yeah, I'll try to do this fast. Shut me off if I go <laughs> no, too long. It's a- small businesses, I'm talking to you. I want to start start right there. Um, if you're a small business in town, um, we hear from a lot of our small business partners uh, saying, you know, look, Jason, we hear about these um, incentive programs to either bring a new business here or help a business here. And a lot of those are tied to, you know, hiring 50 people at a time or hiring 100 people in a year. And 
look, we're a small business. We're, we're only five, 10, 15 people. We're not going to grow that fast, but boy, we could really use a program that helps us. We've got one in the state and it's, it's called the Urban Redevelopment Act. And it was actually passed by the Nebraska State Legislature in the 2021 session. Eight million dollar pot of money targeted uh, towards towards economic redevelopment areas, uh, and that's tied to income and census tracts. And there's there's more online to talk about there. Um, the point I want to make here is it's not tied to hiring a bunch of people. It's not required to hire a bunch of people to participate in this. It is a straight up five percent tax credit on the investment any non any for profit business makes in in its business. So if you're a grocery store and you buy a whole new bank of freezers, you're going to be able to get for an investment between 50,000 and a million dollars, you're going to be able to get a 5% tax credit back. And there's a lot of other implications uh, for this and other industries that we can talk about. And you have someone at the the chamber helping people with that as well, right? His name is Kevin Kester. He's our director of business development. If you look up the chamber on lcoc.com and you you find us, uh, you can find us there or you can contact our office at 436-2350. All right, Jason. Well, thanks. This was really fun. He's going to stick around because we've got another guest coming in uh, second half of the show. I'm excited to hear about uh, Arbor Day uh, Carbon and uh, we're going to talk about specifics of that. It's 525. You're listening to Lincoln's number one news and talk station, 1499 KLIN. You're listening to the Dan Parsons Show on 1499 KLIN. Well, welcome back. It's 528, 102 outside, feeling like 118, so be careful out there. I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan until, well, Friday, I guess, and then hopefully he'll be back on Monday. Well, with the popularity of the movie A Sound of Freedom, awareness has really ramped up for sex trafficking around the world. Um, Earlier uh, this week, we brought in Paul Yates, the executive director of I've Got a Name. Their local organization is fighting to end sex trafficking right here in Lincoln and in Nebraska. 200 young girls and women are sold for sex every single month here in Lincoln and over 900 in the state of Nebraska itself. And so what their focus is, is really to bring awareness and to help uh, end it. They're doing their first conference called Connect to Protect, specifically addressing sex trafficking here in Lincoln. Uh, it's going to be Saturday, August 5th at the Embassy suites i would love for you to attend if you're a parent guardian teacher business uh, owner coach or if you have contact with youth i highly recommend that you attend it uh, to become more equipped to protect our young people against sex trafficking you can go to their website to learn more at i've got a name.org well coming up in the second half of the show um jason's sticking around and we'll welcome in jerry Mannion, managing director of arbor day carbon and he's going to share more about providing new solutions for companies looking to blend forestation and carbon projects. I'm excited to hear more about that in just a couple of minutes. Well, up next, we're going to check in with Fox News and then KLIN News with Chase Porter. You're listening to 1499.3 KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Educating. Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's 537. Again, I'm Doug Fitzgerald filling in for Dan. Um, I tell you what, we've got uh, weather happening right now, 102. It feels like 118. So just be careful of the heat advisory um, that's in effect until tomorrow. So just drink your water. Be wise when you're outside. You know, go for a walk when it's dark out or a little, a little bit later, or a little bit earlier. So, Doug, I have a question for you. Oh, boy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, are you one, would you prefer it to be really hot outside or really cold outside? I'm a hot guy. Okay. I am. Yeah, you? I am too. Yeah. Uh, I, I love summer. I'd rather have heat than cold. So that's my that's my thing. Well, hey, we're joined in the studio with uh, Jerry, Jeremy Mannion. Uh, he's a managing director of Arbor Day Carbon. And Jason Ball is uh, also still in the studio. He's the CEO and president of Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. And uh, Jeremy, I'm excited to have you in because we're going to talk about something that I don't know if very many people know about, which is Arbor Day Carbon. So first thing I want you to do, though, if you would, is just kind of give us an idea of um, a little bit about you, your background, yeah. and then how you came to Ar- the Arbor Day Foundation. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Happy to be here. So I grew up uh, in the suburbs of Indianapolis, spent a lot of time outside hunting, fishing, camping, just spending time with friends and family in the outdoors. And that's where a lot of my passion uh, for nature comes in my life personally. And so just spent a lot of time outside in the woods observing things. And that led me to then, you know, studying environmental issues in Indianapolis, uh, in the university in, in Bloomington, Indiana, actually. And ultimately, I studied political science, environmental policy, um, and really was thought I was going to go on a career in like law and politics to impact, you know, better environmental decisions that way. I graduated in 2006. Um, at that time, some companies were starting to I- enable sustainability offices to think about how to optimize economic growth without harming the environment or people. And all those careers were in their infancy. The competition for jobs were really high. And so I was kind of forced to like, you know, kind of go through the hard knocks. Mm-hmm. So I started actually my career in like sales, business development, account management, relationship development uh, for the first five or six years. I ended up at Office Depot on the commercial side of, of their work, helping to manage large purchasing contracts with governments, healthcare organizations, large businesses, and really help them grow their environmental products division to be about $3.5 billion of overall company sales. Um, I was there for about nine years. We started going through mergers and integrations, decided to look for new, new opportunities. At that time, while I was at Office Depot, though, I also learned more about the Arbor Day Foundation. Hmm. And they had a, a role open up for helping to really grow their carbon market venture, uh, helping to pay farmers to do reforestation, measure those benefits, um, and then turn it into a unit of carbon, a metric ton of carbon dioxide, and then also those benefits to companies. So coming off the Paris Climate Agreement, a lot of companies like Disney and PwC were trying to figure out how to offset emissions they can't avoid. And so really kind of was brought in to help grow this venture. Um, so I'd never been in Nebraska before. <laughs> that was the biggest thing I had to be sold on. It was just something I hadn't envisioned. Um, and so my wife and I moved here from Chicago in, in 2018. It's been a great move for us. 
um, in process of putting down roots, trying to get ready to build a house in Raymond, and really good. continuing to you know grow, re- grow the business around for a while. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm in Nebraska now. We got our <laughs> we got our hooks in you. Yeah. That's I right. Like that. He's stuck. He's stuck. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I think a lot of people associate um, Arbor Day Foundation with the lodge in Nebraska City, but yeah. here in you know you're stationed here in Lincoln, correct? Yes, absolutely. And, and so let's talk about first Ar- the Arbor Day Foundation, then we'll get into carbon and how that is you know working with other companies and corporations around the country. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, we are our headquarters here in Lincoln's at 211 North 12th Street. We have about 150 people there. And so that's really where the kind of, uh, you know, lifeblood of our organization flows. Um, the foundation uh, really manages networks, right? We manage networks of corporate and individual donors that give us money to plant trees in cities and rural landscapes. And then we have on the supply side, on the land side in cities and in rural settings around the world, we have a network of, of implementation planning partners that have trust and buy-in with local communities, local farmers to help us get trees in the right place, mm. the right time for the right reasons. Um, and so we're this kind of connector convener in, in that regard. And so we're doing work in all 50 states, uh, in 50 countries around the world. Really? Yes. And it's our mission to inspire people to plant, nurture, and celebrate trees. That is amazing. I didn't realize it was international. It's it, it's one of the the businesses that I I think is an unsung hero in in Lincoln, and, and we have several stories like this. But um, you know, I I think several folks, myself included, I associate the Arbor Day Foundation with the Arbor Day Lodge in Nebraska right. City, and 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 you know through the chamber, I get to discover uh, the scope of their work, but it's all centered, you know, through Lincoln. I, I, that puts Lincoln on, on an important map just in terms of what the, the future ecology of our whole globe is going to end up looking like because Arbor Day Foundation is going to be one of the, the leading voices when it comes to how, how do we address, um, as the climate changes, how do we, how do we, navigate that new space it's it's a great spot for lincoln to be involved in that's amazing i you know and and then to think how it impacts local business as well um which would be important too so yeah um so jeremy let's talk about uh, arbor day carbon and i was telling you (laughs) during the breaks there i don't understand much about what carbon is uh and what the credits are and how that goes back and forth if you could give us uh, just give us a a good picture of what you do and how it is impacting um the world yeah yeah so we it's really my role to nurture our network of, of a really a lot of corporate partners. We have a, a team of, of relationship developers at, at the foundation that, that understand what companies needs are, how they want to impact climate issues, biodiversity and, and community and, and rural economic development through the planting of trees or the protection of, of existing forests. And so um, we understand how companies again, want to be having impact on rural ecosystems, on communities, and and economic health is tied to the health of natural ecosystems, including forests. And so then we have, like I said, about an implementation partner network, about 400 different planting partners, planting trees and and reforestation. Think of large-scale rural settings. So um, we basically pay farmers um, in the U.S. Southeast, like Mississippi and Arkansas and Nicaragua, um, to basically do plant new trees, grow them alongside agricultural practices. So in Nicaragua, for example, we have trees uh, being planted for um, 
carbon sequestration, but also still have grazing animals like cattle. So different types of systems where we can have trees and agriculture live side by side. In the higher elevations of the country, we have trees growing to produce coffee as well. Having shade-grown coffee, to, that increases the quality of, of, the, of the coffee crop itself. And so carbon credit payments that companies finance uh, with us to plant trees we, as, as those trees get planted and grown, we measure how much carbon the trees are sequestering. About half the weight of a tree is carbon. And so we turn that into a, 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 a unit that's serial number that's almost like a, a stock or a bond that you can trade, buy, and sell. Um, and we kind of facilitate what quality looks like from the funding partner side um, and then what partners look like on, on, on the supply side when it comes to maximizing rural benefits, habitat restoration, and climate sequestration. And so the, the challenge is, though, is we have to make sure companies are, are doing their homework, too, right? We have to make sure they're measuring and reducing their emissions before they come to offset emissions that are hard for them to avoid. Um, and then communicate these things appropriately. Um, ultimately, I do this work for two main reasons, to bring more purpose and meaning to people's lives, and if, if markets have created imbalance in climate, people, and nature, how do we begin to use markets to rebalance that? And the carbon credit is a, is a market-based mechanism hmm. uh, versus some of the other programs of the foundation that are more based on grants and philanthropy. So we're really enabling, providing ongoing incentives for farmers to plant and grow trees. And it's our kind of theory of change that the world's forests will only be restored if people are incentivized to do so. Hmm. So are corporations then required to offset? Their carbon footprint? There are some compliance programs around the world, like in California or Europe or emerging markets like in Japan and South Korea and China, where larger emitting sectors like power producers, oil and gas companies, energy utilities are required to reduce emissions and offset things that, that if they miss their targets. But what we're dealing with mostly is all voluntary action. Okay. So companies like Disney, Microsoft, Netflix, Procter & Gamble. So uh, companies that have significant emissions profiles from their energy consumption, their, their manufacturing, their, their, their distribution networks, uh, the energy they consume at their facilities. Um, as they're working to reduce those emissions through supporting renewable energy projects, through electrification of, of the grid, of, of, of transportation, um, there's still always emissions they can't avoid. Um, and so what they do is they support our work in, in, in reforestation to offset emissions that they just can't ultimately reduce at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, we try to then optimize how that gets to people on the ground uh, to provide rural economic opportunities um, for you know, farmers in, in, like I said, the U.S., Nicaragua, Brazil, um, all around the world. So where do you get your supply of trees? Yeah. So that's really, that's right? really we're, we're not the ones really actually the ones you know, doing that work. We do have some nurseries that we operate here right. at, in Nebraska City, in Tennessee, but a vast majority of the trees that we're, we're planting. So we've planted 500 million trees over the last 50 years of the foundation. How many? 500 million. Wow. Yeah, and so we're also trying to now do another 500 million in the next five years. Wow. And so really accelerate the rate yeah. of our impact because the need is so great. We've lost half of the world's forest, and we have a lot a lot of work to do to restore those. But we still need food. We still need wood products. Um, but we have, you know, we have the need to restore habitat, too, because a quarter of the world's species are at threat yeah. of extinction right now. So too. where do those trees come from, then? Do you yep. get them... You get them farmed out from yeah. organizations so and so it's a mix like in the southeast u.s we work with state agencies like mississippi and arkansas we work with private 
growers, uh, companies like Arborgen, um, some of our actual our, our project partners that we fund and finance have their own nursery operations. So we provide funding to enable all of that seed sourcing, nursery build out, the growing of the seedlings, the prep of the land, the planting of the seedling. And then carbon credits provide that ongoing incentives for farmers to grow trees with right. payments to them each year. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I'll just point out too, Doug. I mean, this is this is part of what happens in the entrepreneurial and startup ecosystem. This right. is very much an entrepreneurial adventure uh, that was initiated by a foundation that's been around for several decades now, right? And um, that's that's part of what the the economy of Lincoln is able to do is we have these kind of sometimes unusual bedfellows, if you will, of of people that are interacting with each other. And we've got we've got a very market based strategy to address what is a, a global need and it's very very similar to, to things like what monolith is doing with market-based strategies to address global commodity mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. Uh, for things like carbon black um and and we've got this nucleus of businesses here in lincoln uh all of them for different reasons uh that have wanted to uh nibble off different parts of this uh, e- economic uh, model related to to how we address global warming and global climate conditions. So it's 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 fun to see. There's a lot of innovation happening yeah. in this space. It's five fifty. We're talking with Jeremy Mannion, managing director of Arbor Day Carbon, along with Jason Ball from the um, Lincoln uh, Chamber of Commerce on fourteen hundred to ninety nine three KLIN. Uh, so how many pe- you, you've grown pretty quick then, yeah. right? I mean, the carbon has grown pretty fast. I'm assuming. I'm curious to know how many people do have working with you and um you know if people are interested in in participating or you know having a a position like you have right now yeah what path do they take yeah well quite candidly it's a this has been a dream job for me um i we've grown our venture at the foundation from about a million dollars in annual revenue in 2018 to we're we're approaching um close to 30 million dollars now in annual revenues um, and so it's been very rapid growth at the foundation. Um, but again, it's not just about the financial numbers. It's about the impact it's having, um, on, on our farmers. And so, for example, um, one of our, one of our project partners does the design work for us in Nicaragua. It's a group called Taking Group out, Taking Root out of Vancouver through our work and partnership with Microsoft. Microsoft is trying to remove uh, all the carbon that they emit in, in their single fiscal year by 2030, and then by 2050, go back and remove the carbon they've ever emitted in their supply chain since they started in 1975. And so they've really helped us finance significant expansions of new trees being planted in Nicaragua and securing the carbon credits that those trees will sequester on into the future. And that's allowed our team to grow here at the foundation from just me as the only leader to now we have a team of, of nine full-time people with a couple additional kind of part-time advisors and consultants that help us with this work. Um, and then our team at Taking Roots grown from four to 35 in Vancouver. And our implementation partner, Aberdeen, on the ground in Nicaragua has grown, grown from about 25 to over 100. So we have this massive like ripple effect, <laughs> not do. just here for Lincoln, but yeah. across the world. And, you know, our team is really... Um, you know, specialized in relationship management for corporations, for our project partners doing the reforestation work. Um, we have people helping us with all the financing of, of this work. It takes place over multiple decades. Um, and trees grow at, you know, at, at a certain rate. So we have to have a lot of forward planning and financing. 
Um, so Arbor Day is also able to kind of sell trees being planted in addition to carbon credits, and that helps us hack some of the time lags as those trees grow and larger larger amounts of carbon get sequestered hmm. in those you know years. Let's call it ten to fifty, right? Versus when the trees are really young and still getting established. So finance people are really important. Marketing, marketing, and communicators. We we have a lot of storytelling. We're again, it's our mission to inspire people to plant, nurture, and celebrate trees. So we have to like tell stories of impact. Um, of, of how we're helping, you know, everyday people pay their taxes, send their kids to school, maintain ownership of their land, pass it down to the next generation of their family, trying to leave a legacy, right? Mm. Um, and so those are the big kind of areas right now that, that, that we're continuing to see growth in companies that, or, or people that can really nurture relationships with our, with our funding partners and our, and our project partners. Personal question. Mm -hmm. What are you most proud of with this work? Yeah. What I'm most proud of is we're beginning to learn how to value things that we haven't put a, been able to put a price on when it comes to clean air, clean water, habitat. People have always intrinsically known those things have value in the economy, but it's been hard to price it. And so now as we put a price on carbon and removing carbon from the atmosphere, um, we, we begin to price things and, and now make people think about the decisions and so, again, I think I, I, I'm pro-capitalism, right? But there's been a flaw in thinking growth is limitless. The, the planet can only so sustain. We have to be, we're out of sync with the cycles of the planet, mm -hmm. right? So how do we get back in sync with the cycles of the planet? And by pricing uh, the, the health of an ecosystem, health of a forest ecosystem, we'll be able to kind of begin to get back in balance and make people think about things that they haven't had to think about before when it comes to making economic decisions. So instead of going for maximum growth, what does optimum growth look like? And I think one of the things that I'm probably most proud about in addition to that is just, you know, we're very apolitical at the foundation. Mm. Um, trees, forest, wetlands, agriculture, these are just things that, that I think everyone can agree on in a very divided time in our country and the world. And so trying to get people to see that we're on the same team here, whether we live in a city or the countryside, we all care about, you know, having, you know, resources like clean air and clean water. We all want, you know, better lives for the next generation. We all want, I think, a lot more. We all have a lot more in common than we do differences. And so I think nature is a thing that kind of brings us together um, and is just something that, that you know, allows us to have no regrets as we're thinking about the future we can create together. I'm so glad that you shared that because I, one, one, honestly, Jason, when you talked about this and, and, and uh, you know, we got emails going back and forth, my initial thought was in the back of my head yeah. was politics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That you talk about the carbon footprint and you've got people agreeing and disagreeing with different things like that. And that was the first. So I'm glad to hear that because yeah. it's true. As I was thinking about it today, it's like we all want um, our surroundings and our environment to be healthy and clean. And and uh, it's it's a common bond. Pop so. Politics and legislation and regulation all have their place. But but the I really believe that the solutions to our most challenging problems are going to be through market based solutions in the free market system, uh, you know, led by companies like Arbor Day Carbon and, mm -hmm. and others that we've talked about today. It's really exciting. Yeah. Jeremy, how can people get in touch with you guys and get more information? Yeah. Uh, check out our website, carbon.arborday.org. Um, reach out to us if you're interested in learning about what we're, the work that we're doing. Um, and yeah, it's an exciting time to be in this space. Um, a lot of, a lot of growth is expected to come over, over the foreseeable future. 
Um, these markets are projected to grow, um, you know, 10 to 15 times in the next decade, up to 100 times by, by mid-century. Um, and, and there's a lot of work to do when it comes to protecting and restoring forests and, and, and doing that for, for ways to benefit people. Well, thank you so much again for coming in, Jeremy Mannion from Managing Director of Arbor Day Carbon and Jason Ball from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. It's 5-7. We're going to take our final break and then wrap the show up. Uh, you're listening to Lincoln's number one news and talk station, 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, a big thanks to today's guests, Jason, Jeremy, and Johnny Cadillac for producing the show. You're listening to KLIN on 1499.3. We'll see you tomorrow.